You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. If you've ever heard of the book Grace-Based Parenting, you are in for a treat today. Today on the podcast, Karis Murray is joining me from Grace-Based Families, and Karis is the daughter of Dr. Tim Kimmel, who wrote Grace-Based Parenting. Now, I first met Karis, oh gosh, probably about seven or eight years ago when I was living back in Phoenix, where Grace-Based Families is located, and I started as an ambassador for what was then called Family Matters back at the time, and really was transformed by their grace message. I never really understood what grace was. I didn't understand, even though I grew up a Christian, I, I didn't understand really what it what it looked like and what it meant in my life and my relationship with God. And then even further, I certainly had very little idea of how that actually was applied in my relationships and in parenting. So it was funny, I actually received a copy of Grace-Based Parenting from a friend, and as I was reading it, I was just blown away at the very simple yet profound way that Dr. Kimmel describes grace and how it applies to our relationships. And so I actually went to a conference that they hosted in Phoenix, and I kind of like fangirled and approached him to autograph my book. And at that point, we got to chatting, and he asked me about my background. And I told him that at the time I was a stay-at-home mom and that I had started blogging. And he asked if I had interest in starting to blog for the team. So I attended a couple of trainings and began blogging and speaking for the ministry and over the years have just grown so fond of the way that Grace-Based Families connects with families and real-life situations to help us to live out grace in a way that really impacts our relationships. So in this conversation, Karis and I are going to talk a little bit about that foundational message of grace and how it is that we actually can understand grace and then apply it to all sorts of relationships. And then we'll also get a little bit into parenting specifically and how grace in parenting works. We'll also talk about the core needs that each of us has, not just our children, but each individual person, the three core needs that we have and how grace factors into those needs. And additionally, we'll talk about grace and boundaries and how that looks in relationships, especially if we have troubled relationships or difficult relationships, perhaps with an ex-husband or an ex-partner or something like that. I want to quickly fill you in on something exciting that is happening next week. I'm offering a free class. It's going to be next Tuesday, November 10th, 2020, and there's going to be a couple of different time slots that you can choose from. If you've listened to the Christian Single Moms podcast before, you know that over on agapemoms.com, I have a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? Now, this free class is going to be a live stream that you're going to have the ability to dive into that a little deeper. And we're going to talk about what those loneliness types are and what goes into a loneliness type. Basically, what are the things specifically in your past and in your patterns that are causing loneliness and isolation? And a lot of times there are things that we've just kind of gotten used to doing that we don't even know that we're doing. And it's going to be really helpful because each of us actually has kind of a blend of different types. And so you'll get a chance to see how those all play out and start to maybe unlock some answers for yourself as to how you can change some of those patterns. You can register for this course today if you go to agapemoms.com slash webinar and you'll get to see the different time slots there. And if in case you're not able to actually join, you can still register to get a link to watch that webinar at a later date. I'm going to be hosting a live Q&A as part of that webinar also. So I'd love for you to not only register for the class, but then also bring your questions so we can start diving into these things together. The link is in the show notes, but again, it's agapemoms.com slash webinar. To give you some background on Karis, Karis Kimmel Murray is the author of Grace-Based Discipline and is the creative director of Grace-Based Families, a ministry that has internationally hosted parenting and marriage events, radio and television broadcasts, articles, videos, website, and best-selling books written by Karis's parents and Grace-Based Families founders, Dr. Tim and Darcy Kimmel. 
Karis is also the co-host of the Grace Based Families podcast with my friend Michelle Brook, and they have an incredible dynamic together. They are so fun to listen to, and I highly suggest that you have a listen to their podcast as well for more parenting tips. Here's my conversation with Karis Kimmel-Murray. Karis, I am just so thrilled that you could join us today. I wanted to know if you would actually kind of give us a brief introduction to kind of the grace message and kind of the, I guess the platform really for a lot of the material that Family Matters has when it comes to relationships and how to integrate grace into that. I really think that our message is truly the most basic um, biblical relationship message. And, And the reason for that is because, you know, in the Bible, the most common sort of nickname that God calls himself or that he is called in the Bible is father. And for that reason, when you kind of look at, at scripture through that lens, if God is our father and we are his children, then really every interaction between human beings and our father, God is an example of parenting. And so when you approach it that way, rather than scripture having, you know, a few, a smattering of verses here and there about fathers and sons and children and parents that you can draw from, now you can look at the entirety of scripture and see a very rich um, resource, uh, instruction manual, if you will, for how we ought to parent. And, and so that's kind of the core basis. And then when you, when you ask yourself, okay, what is the primary way that our father, God, interacts with us, his children? What allows him to, to have relationship with us? And what, and what is sort of the character that you would define um, that relationship by? And to me, that is grace. And grace means giving someone something that they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. And so that characteristic, I believe, defines our relationship with God. And, um, and so that really has been the platform by which we have built um, our, our ministry, the, the resources that we've produced for parenting, for marriage, um, really all come back to that core, that we ought to parent our kids the way that God parents us. And that's with grace. For me, grace-based parenting was the first piece of material from family matters that I ever came across. And for me, it was actually an instruction manual and understanding grace in all of the relationships that I have. And I found that just the material was so clear in what grace is. I love the definition you just gave because that to me helps me understand not only my orientation of my heart towards my kids, but also any and all types of relationships that I would be engaging in. You know, what happens so frequently and, and what we hear from people so often is that when they uh, read Grace-Based Parenting or any of our other resources, but a lot of people come to us through that book first, when they read that, what they actually realize is that um, they need to reorient their heart um, around grace towards the relationship with God. Like that, a lot of the time, it's that Mm -hmm. first relationship that goes through a transformation because maybe they, they have not heard the gospel and this is the first time they're hearing it. Right. But for a lot of people who read that book, they, they, um, have a Christian background. Um, they go to church, they understand the gospel as sort of a saving grace, right? Jesus mm-hmm. died for me on the cross to, to save my soul. Um, but they, they have never really had it um, laid out in a clear way to understand that that grace actually permeates their entire relationship with God. I totally agree with you. And actually that's such an awesome point because we can't compartmentalize like grace for these people and grace for these people. It's like when you have that right relationship with God, it flows out of you naturally into all of your relationships, whether it's your kids or maybe an ex or people Mm -hmm. that you're just doing community with, whoever it is. One of the things in grace-based parenting though, also that I thought made grace really clear was understanding that All of us, again, whether it's our kids or people that we're interacting with, have these core 
needs, these three inner needs that we're all kind of seeking out in our relationships to have met or to meet. So I want to know if you would kind of give us a little overview about what those needs are and how they are opportunities for us to apply grace. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost self-evident that, um, that all human hearts have, have core needs and we've sort of boiled it down to three. And obviously these are umbrella, um, kind of categories, but a lot of things that you'll sort of see will fit within. But from what we can see, every human heart has a need for a, a secure love. And that means not just a love that um, feels empty or, or somebody says, I love you, right? You believe them when that love is expressed to you in a way that um, makes sense to you that feels loving towards you. And then that doesn't feel like it's conditional, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's not based on, you know, it's not given or taken away based on anything you do or don't do. And so that's that security and love that every human heart needs at, at its core. And then secondly, we want to know that we have a purpose on this earth, that there's a reason that we're here not just an existential reason, but also we, we want to have practical purpose in our life. You know, what's, we want to have a vocation. We want to do things. We want to serve others. We want to know that, that our lives are making a difference and that that difference is significant. So we, we kind of refer to this need as the need for significant purpose. Um, and then finally, uh, and this is so clear, I think, from, from just living life in the world every day. We need hope, right? Mm -hmm. we, need, we need to know, we need to know that it can get better. Obviously, the, the ultimate hope is our hope that we have in Christ and, and that hope in eternity. But also, we want to know that it can get better in our everyday relationships, that it can get better here on earth. Um, and, uh, and we want that hope to not just be this little faint thing that, that uh, glimmers in the distance, but we want to have a real strong sense of hope. So secure love, significant purpose, and strong hope are those three sort of core inner needs. And they, they lend themselves so well to applying grace because so often, um, you know, the people who God puts in our life to love are hard to love at times, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but they need that love and it can't be based on their merit because um, God doesn't base his love for us on our merit, right? We don't necessarily deserve it. I certainly don't deserve it all the time. Um, and, and so just that first, uh, you know, core need is, is one that is ripe for expressing grace to the people around us because it is one of the great ways that God expresses his grace to us. He loves us unconditionally. Um, and we can't do this perfectly like God can. We just can't. We're not capable of it. Um, but we can, as best we can, um, try to give grace to the people in our lives, regardless of their behavior. Now, behavior is something that is separate. It does need to be dealt with. You know, I wrote a whole book uh, called Grace-Based Discipline about how to deal with problem behavior and based on how God deals with our behavior, because he does. But love is separate than that. Well, and I think, so the point that you made there about there being a difference between love and discipline really helps me to understand something that I keep, and I've said this on other episodes, that, that keeps me focused is that sometimes people who need love are asking for it in the most unloving ways. And I right. definitely see that with my kids. <laughs> we right. see it with, you know, so when I understand these needs, I can look at them and go, okay, they're hurting in this area or they're missing this. Uh -huh. And how can I help to fill in the gap there and not maybe get sucked into the behavior? It doesn't mean the behavior is not addressed, right. but right now in this core moment, what is needed to write the situation? Right, right. Well, and, and and we all do this. We all ask for love very often in, in the most of unloving ways. And a lot of the time it's because perhaps we're feeling a sense of insecurity, 
mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, uh, you know, maybe things aren't going well at work and we're unsure if we're going to be able to keep our job or, um, you know, we feel insecure about the way we look or the way our clothes fit, or we, you know, I know as moms, a lot of the time we feel insecure that we're just not as good as that mom over there. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we just don't bake as much and our house isn't as clean and we don't seem to have it as together as she does, you know, whoever she is, it's some made up person in our mind. Cause I guarantee you the actual real mom you're comparing yourself to it's probably saying the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's this illusion that we have, but we created an illusion that then we compare ourselves to as parents and we feel insecure. Well, the same thing happens to our kids, especially our, you know, sort of um, preteens and teens who are, you know, utilizing social media more. And they, you know, they so often are comparing their real lives to someone else's highlight reel um, via Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok. So they are screaming out for love for our love, but a lot of the time it's going to come out as, you know, defiance or, or, you know, whining or disobeying or rebellion, you know, Mm -hmm. and obviously those things have to be dealt with. But when you sort of dig, if you just sort of dig slightly under the surface, what you actually see come out is a lot of insecurity or pain Mm -hmm. or fear, right? Fear is another big reason that people ask for love in, in unhelpful ways. They're Mm -hmm. just terrified, you know? Yeah. I hear that over and over from single moms too, as well, that, you know, when you're in a context of a, a committed relationship or a marriage, it's often that you experience grace given and received from one specific person. And when that person is not there anymore, now you're mm. trying to negotiate that process with friends and family members and maybe right. people in the dating process. It's just very, it's a little messy. <laughs> it is. It's messy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would say for for people who are facing that reality, you know, they've been in a committed relationship and now they're not and all the, you know, the pain and messiness that goes along with that. Um and and yeah, you sort of had your grace giver hopefully. Um in that other person, but when that's not there anymore, I would say the most important person you need to accept grace from is yourself. Mm. That's and, good. you know, I, I don't want to sound all Oprah woo woo, but really, <laughs> but really you're in a position right now where you are having to rely on yourself for far more than you probably ever did before. Um, and yes, you should reach out and you should start to form a loving, trusting community around you to support you. But until that time, right, you, you really are having to draw a lot of strength yourself and we and giving ourselves grace really we have no grace to give ourselves or anybody else mm-hmm. unless we accept god's grace for us yeah that's true and so you know we we just sort of are running on a limited supply and that's why it is so important that um kind of like we said at the beginning you reconnect with this understanding that God's grace didn't just save you. You know, Christ's blood on the cross was not something that was a one and done and it's there and it's gone and you don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that his his sacrifice and his love continues to renew you daily and his grace continues to extend to you every day. He continues to give us what we desperately need, but don't necessarily deserve on a daily, Mm -hmm. hourly, minute by minute basis. And so that's where you draw that strength from. Um, And then little by little, um, you know, you're, you're starting to develop these, um, you know, nurturing uh, relationships that you're going to need so, so desperately as we try to nurture and raise our kids, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we've got to fill our cups somewhere. Well, and the thing that I recognized my habit was that I could give a lot of grace and forgiveness out to other people, but Mm. that I had a very hard time extending it to myself. And something that helped me finally bridge that gap was if God forgave you, who are you to not forgive yourself or who are you to not receive it? Like 
Right. He is the ultimate forgiver. So you need to get underneath yeah. that because it's not like you know more than God does. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think you are? Right. Yeah, exactly. I know. We, we all do it. It's like, yeah. who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Jesus died on the cross for you and you're going to stand here and think that, you know, you're too good to receive it or you're too or bad to receive enough. it, right? Exactly. to receive mm-hmm. it. Right. Right. Like it's, right. It, who do we think we are? And, but that is the, you know, that's the core human condition that we have to continually be saved from. Right. right. And obviously right. our eternal salvation is something that is secured in that moment that we believe, but that daily sort of regeneration Mm-hmm. Um, and that daily renewing of that understanding between us and God, that he's God and we're not, we have to be reminded of it all the time. I Absolutely. Do. Yep. Yep. And something else I wanted to kind of shift gears in is other things that single moms talk to me about when it comes to this grace topic and forgiveness and this kind of thing is the fact that we, a lot of us have some kind of strained relationships, especially if there is mm-hmm. an X in play whether there's family issues that have come about in our lives, but it often causes women to feel unsure exactly about how they are supposed to go about applying grace. And oftentimes it Uh goes to extremes, like one end or the other, either it feels like none or all of it to the point where there are no boundaries. So I wanted to know if you would give us some context, give us uh, an idea about how grace and boundaries come together. So yeah, there, there's a huge distinction between um, between boundaries and grace. And I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because I think so often people um, confuse grace with just being nice or with <clears throat> letting somebody off the hook for what they did. Um, or even, you know, to put a more positive spin on it, they confuse grace and mercy. You know, mercy being, you know, somebody does something and you, ch- you choose in that moment that the best thing is just to forgive them um, and not give them a consequence. And God does that for us, right? So it, it's a form of grace, mercy is, but it's not all of grace and it's not what happens every time in grace-based relationships. So, you know, yeah, I think when you're, when you're a single parent, it often is because you, you know, you have, you have an ex and those relationships can be strained. And, you know, also if you have children, uh, your ex's parents and their family, those relationships might become strained. You know, they're still grandparents to your kids. And so there's this desire to try to maintain as much of a relationship with, as possible, but that can be difficult. And so I do think that boundaries are key. And you may have different boundaries uh, around your heart and around your sort of uh, dealings with, with your ex and his family, his or her family, then maybe your kids do, right? So you're going to look at the different relationships and say, okay, what do my kids desperately need in their relationship with their other parents and their other parents' family? And how can I accommodate that as much as possible while maintaining healthy boundaries that serve everyone, right? But maybe you are not um, as available to your ex as you allow your kids to be, right? I, that's just one example. Obviously, everybody has different situations, but you really have to look at those boundaries through the lens of what is best for the most vulnerable person in those relationships. And that's very often our kids. And, and I think grace means that we have to work to overcome um, acting out of just pain and anger. And that takes time. It takes therapy and nobody does it perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. and nobody does it right. So, you know, cut yourself some slack too, but trying, you know, the goal is to get to a place though, where you can establish, um, healthy dealings with a spouse. And that's going to look different. Obviously, if, if there is abuse involved in those relationships, it's going to look really differently than it would look in a situation where perhaps there was not um, abuse, but just a relationship dissolved for other reasons, right? So yeah, and and setting those boundaries for our kids as well, you know, intervening when we need to, not making that the boundaries we set with our kids about us and about our anger with our spouse, but about what's best for them. 
I think that's such an important, an important key to keep in mind, especially because as you brought up in cases where there is abuse present, grace may often actually be no longer enabling an abusive relationship to be enacted rather than saying, well, we'll just give more chances, give more chances, give more chances. Like if you realize that this person has a limitation to the way that they behave, that the best thing sometimes to keep that person from engaging in in sinful interaction is going to be different than if you just, like you said, have a a different type of uh, relationship dynamic. I love also that you said you're not going to get it right every time. So you might sometimes feel like you're getting it and then like totally just blow it. I'd like to take a quick break just to jump in here for a second, tell you about our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. I have a fantastic counselor through Faithful Counseling that I've been able to process a lot of difficult parenting issues with. She's helped me not just to understand what my kids are going through, but she's actually given me some tips and tricks that I could try to relate better to my kids and to solve some unique issues that we're facing. If you're not familiar, Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that's available on your time through an app and you can video chat and message your counselor at the times that are most convenient for you. If you go on right now and have a look at Faithful Counseling, you can actually get 10% off of your first month. You do that by going to getfaithful.com slash single mom. I like that the the title of your book, Grace-Based Discipline, How to Be at Your Best When Your Kids Are at Their Worst. Just to me, that that subline just highlights, <laughs> I think, everything that I feel on a regular basis. Like, how do I be at my best when I am stretched so thin? <laughs> and sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. So I wanted to know if you'd talk a little bit about the grace-based approach to discipline and how that looks. Yeah. You know, that that tagline, you know, was hard one. We went through a lot of ideas. And I kept coming back to that because I felt like it, it explains grace in a way that parents just go, oh yeah, now I get it. Because giving grace, it's kind of assumed that you're giving grace in a situation that's hard, right? It doesn't feel like grace if everything's hunky-dory and things are going well and there's no strain in a relationship. Well, then things are just working there. So that's great. Um, Grace happens when our kids are at their worst or when our spouse is at their worst or when our coworkers are at their worst, right? That, that is when grace is most needed. Um, and you know, I tried to think about when, when I wrote the book, you know, how would I want, have wanted to be parented on my worst days? And I was, uh, you know, my dad wrote grace-based parenting. So I got to experience the, the great side of grace so much in my life. But I think we, we often react in parenting rather than respond. Mm-hmm. We react out of fear, out of anger, out of the way that our kids' behavior is making us feel in the moment. And, you know, there's no doubt that, that sometimes kids do stuff and they're not trying to do it to us on purpose, Right. Right. They're hungry, they're tired, they're, you know, they've got some kind of a limitation, frustration, or whatever. But very, very often they are doing what they're doing to us on purpose. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they absolutely are. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are the target. We are the person on the on the other end, you know, staring down the barrel of a loaded toddler or a teenager. <laughs> um, and so it's it's very easy in those moments to um, react. That's, that's what our brain, in fact, tells us to do um, is fight or flight, right? And, um, and so we've got to work to overcome those, those initial instincts in order to respond in a way that's actually helpful both to our kids and to us. Um, and sort of de-escalate. And, and so when I wrote Grace-Based Discipline, I thought, okay, you know, discipline is a, an important form of grace that is often overlooked. We associate the concept of grace with nice and kind and sweet and long suffering and that kind of thing. And it, it may be all of those things some of the time, but 
but if the the one person who we can look to 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 say what is grace and what does parenting look like is our father god you see very very often that god disciplines and in fact it says in hebrews that god disciplines the one he loves and so you can clearly see that discipline and dealing with behavior and um, offering consequences for poor choices is very clear cut in the Bible. And it's not done um, out of vengeance. It's not done because God, you know, is like, see, knew you were going to mess up and, you know, I've been waiting on you to screw up. And so now I'm going to lower the boom. That's not the God we serve, right? Mm -hmm. But he has put boundaries and rules and um, standards in place for us to ensure our joy, right? right? None of these none of these rules and standards and ways in which God asks us to live exist to serve him. They don't exist to serve him. They mm-hmm. exist to serve us. And so so then when you look at it that way you realize okay, so then in that instance the loving gracious thing to do is to enforce those things, right? And and when they are not obeyed. And of course they're not, we don't do it. We don't obey God perfectly. Um, but he's, he is long suffering. He is patient with us, but there comes a point at which he says, okay, I love you too much to allow you to continue in that foolishness. Um, and so it was kind of from that concept that, that I developed some of the ideas in the book. And, um, when, when grace is, when you kind of make grace the primary temperature of your home and the primary way in which you interact with each other and you pay attention to those, those core needs that we talked about um, earlier and, and you give each other as much freedom as possible. That's another key, key part um, about grace-based relationships. And you can read more about that in grace-based parenting, but giving each other as much freedom as possible is another key part of grace. And so with that as the foundation, discipline becomes a whole lot easier. They do grow up and they do make choices, but while they're under our roof, the stakes are so much lower. So why would we not want to use every um, uh, opportunity we have to sort of shape them and mold them when we send them out into a world that does not suffer fools, (laughs) you know, they're as prepared as possible. Mm I love that point too about allowing for freedom because I find that a lot of times things that we may get caught up disciplining are actually more of a preference and we're trying to shove our kids into what we think that they should look like rather than allowing them to express themselves as God made them. And I find that that actually extends to pretty much all relationships that we tend to approach things like, hey, you should do it the way that I think it should be done. And we get disgruntled with people when we level those expectations on them that really are just from the lens that we view the world out of and doesn't really have much to do with whether something is right or wrong. Now with being a single mom and being overwhelmed and trying to decide like, is this a preference or is this a right or a wrong thing? Like sometimes we just like kind of get caught up in the moment and we, we don't, we don't often process it that way as we're right there, like dealing with a, a highly emotionally charged situation. So what is something or some tips that you can offer for a woman who finds herself overwhelmed with her kids mm-hmm. to be her best when it comes to these kind of situations? Well, I, I think a, a key, and you touched on this, is, des- is deciding what the rules really ought to be, right? Um, because, uh, you know, alongside discipline, there's a, this assumption that there are there are some expectations, there are some, some standards, there are some rules that you have. And when somebody steps over those lines, that's kind of when you, you come in and you say, okay, now there's a consequence for that. Um, but determining what those rules should be is, is important. And it's something that needs to be done um, with a lot of thought well in advance. And our kids are going to come up with endless creative ways to violate those rules. Mm. And so we don't want to wait until we're in, in a moment where we feel overwhelmed, right? The best case scenario is (laughs) right. I mean, it's not too late to do something, but it is, Mm -hmm. we're just not in a state of mind where we are able to sort of think as logically as we can. If, if we sort of step back, 
And, and, you know, uh, what you said is so key is so often we are, we end up disciplining things that, that are actually just preferences, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we might be a very neat person. You know, we like our things just so there's a right way to make a bed. Um, There's a right way to put cereal boxes back in the pantry and everything else is a a violation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just one example of a a very specific kind of personality. And I'm not picking on you if you're that way. I I mean, the thing about the pantry, that's me. Um, I freak (laughs) out if there are two boxes of the same cereal open at the same time in in the pantry. And it's is it a big deal? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we can get caught up in a process of legislating our preferences, right? Because we're, mm-hmm. we're the regulators, we're the legislators, we're the ones that decide what the rules are. And, um, but, but we want to give as much freedom as possible. And I think everybody has maybe experienced a situation where maybe they're in a job where there's so many um, rules and regulations, so many processes and procedures in place that it it has become an oppressive environment because nobody can do it perfectly all the time. And they constantly have a, a supervisor or someone looking over our sh- their shoulder waiting for them to break one of these ultra complicated processes, right? Um, or, or, you know, homeowners associations are a great example of this. You know, there's so many nitpicky things that it's like, you're going to get a ticket all constantly because we just cannot keep these nitpicky regulations. And that's not the kind of environment we want in our home anyway, right? Um, so, so really step back and think, okay, I think there, I think there's a level of being allowed to ask for certain preferential things, but we need to put those rules in a different category in our mind. We need to understand that the, this is, these are kind of just sort of the civil violations, right? We've decided that this is where you're going to put your shoes when you walk in the house. I'm asking you to do it because it makes my life easier and I like it. And I'm asking for your kindness and respect in that manner, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not a moral failing mm-hmm. when right. our kids forget. It's just not, right? So it's not in the same category as like honesty, being authentic and honest with our words, with our actions. That is a, a you know, that up in the moral hierarchy, that's up there, right? Right. Um, so I think we need to step back. It is okay to have some sort of preferential type rules because they help our household run smoothly and things like that. But we need to focus most on um, things that uh, build our kids' character and things that show kindness and respect towards each other in, in the family. And when those rules are broken, I would consider that a felony, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Versus a misdemeanor is something that is, you know, maybe it's a rule that it, it's important to us, but it's not about right and wrong. It's really just something we've asked them. To, to do when they haven't, right? right. So for, for overwhelmed moms, um, you know, thinking about that in advance and kind of having a distinction in your mind um, of these rules and of their level of importance then helps you know how to respond because you, you, you don't want to respond the same way to everything. Um, mm-hmm. my, my dad used to say, don't, don't drive in a thumbtack with a sledgehammer. Mm, right. right. <laughs> um, and the point, I mean, you'll be able to get the thumbtack into the wall, but you'll also do a lot of damage to the wall and it's overkill. Um, so you want, in terms of responding with consequences and, and you want to have tools in your toolbox and you want to use the right tool for the job. And it's hard to determine what the right tool is if we don't kind of have some categories of rules in our mind. And, and so in my book, I go far more into depth with this. And there's actually an activity in the book that walks you through a process of as a family, if, if your kids are of an age where this makes sense, as a family actually sitting down and talking through some of this stuff and deciding on what is your family code? What are the core values that are important to all of you? Um, and sort of writing your family rules based on that. And, and what's cool about that is if you, if you do, if you're able to involve your kids in this process, there's a buy-in level to that from them. They're looking at this going, no, this is what we decided on together. Mm -hmm. And this is what's important to us as a family. Um, 
and they take ownership of that and go, no, this isn't just my mom saying, this is what you have to do. This is what we decided together. And obviously that doesn't work all the time, but, um, but it's a really great way to think through it and, and to involve your kids. And so if that's something that, that would help you, you can find that resource at familymatters.net and um, on Amazon. I absolutely love that idea of engaging the kids in these topics about what do we want the, the energy of our home to be filled with? You know, what, what right. do we want to bring to it? What, we, what do we want to take from it? And how they can engage in that process. It just makes discipline. I find for me, it makes discipline so much easier when they understand like this is not just for your good but also for the good of the family's health, our emotional health, our spiritual right. health, and those kind of things. I talk with my kids sometimes about our family being like a swimming pool, an empty swimming pool. And mm. we have the ability to fill it up with nice, fresh, clean water, or we can fill it up with toxic sewage. And that's going right. to affect all of our experience so that they understand that discipline is not even just a, a it's not punitive, you know, it's, right. it's for the sake of preserving and encouraging something good coming into our, our lives as a family unit so that we all can enjoy it together. And I think when they have various either visuals or just conversations about those types of things, and they understand this is about an overall development of character, as you said, and not about breaking rules and getting away with stuff and telling half truths and right. And seeing how much I can, can push the boundaries. And granted they're going to do that, but that they understand that there's a, a, an overall lifestyle and Mm -hmm. health that comes Mm -hmm. from just doing things in a certain way. And then it frames those conversations when they are looking at how come my friend's parents don't make me do that, make them do that. Or how come, you know, the kids at school are doing this kind of stuff. It just, cha- it allows the the conversation to continue going when that family code, as you said, is something that's a shared experience rather than maybe even something that's just, you know, all right, we're going to level this down on you and fall in line and <laughs> all that. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Well, and it, it feels, it, it, it feels less imposed upon you. Mm-hmm. right? When, when it's something that is collaborative as much as possible. And, and obviously, ultimately, as a parent, you're the one that enforces this and you're the one that sets this climate and this tone um, and have the authority. But it, it really, um, I also think, gives a common language to talk mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff with yeah. too. So, so when you are in situations where you have to, di- to, to discipline, you have something that you can go back and reference. And I'm not saying pull out the rule book and read them, you know, read them the code. But if you keep it simple, and I would suggest keep this as simple as possible, have as few rules as possible, but no fewer. Um, you know, you have to have some rules. There's sort of a, there's a minimum effective dose right here. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't go under that. And this is different for every family, but keeping it as simple as possible, then it's easy to say to, to, it's easier to come back to your child and say, look, what, what is the kind thing to do right now? Mm-hmm. Right. What's the honest thing to do? It's so much easier and then allowing them to go, okay, you're right. Yeah, the kind thing to do is this. Or the honest thing to do is to go back to my teacher and tell him I cheated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and rather than trying to have a rule for every nitpicky situation, because they're going to, like I said, kids are going to come up with an endlessly creative supply of ways to test their limits, <laughs> to test our limits, right? right. <laughs> and so, so having some, some core values and, you know, in, in the Bible, the 10 commandments are these, right? Mm-hmm. God kept it pretty simple. There's 10. Mm-hmm. There's a lot involved in these 10, right? Mm-hmm. They cover a lot of ground, right? But we can, e- I mean, even looking at the 10 commandments as, as a guide for us, um, in our families can be really helpful. Um, and so then you can go back to it and say, okay, what's the respectful thing to do? Okay, if you did this, would you want to be forgiven? Okay, based on that, can you forgive your, your sister, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's our rule number one um, on our family code is be quick to seek, uh, give, and accept forgiveness. 
that's kind of rule number one. And we always say, uh, you know, there's, there's many more that follow. And again, I, I give the example of our own family code in our book to use as reference, but there's an asterisk under every other rule on our code. And that asterisk says, and when this is not done, so like being honest, right? When this is not done, refer to rule number one. Mm. And rule number one <laughs> is be, be quick to, to seek, accept, and give forgiveness. That's um, great. That's really good. <laughs> and because, because we know we're all going to mess it up. We're not going to do it perfectly. And so I knew for our family, based on how much I myself make mistakes, that our rule number one needed to be based on forgiveness. The good news is that it's actually much harder to completely screw up our kids than we all think it is. Um, <laughs> it really, it really is. And I, I think, yeah. I think when you're a conscientious parent and the type of parents that listen to your podcast are these kind of parents, mm. we want to do well. Right. Um, we, we, we want to get it right. We're trying to get it right. And that right there is a good indication that, that you're setting your kids up for success. And with some tweaks here and there, it can get even better. And so, you know, we don't have to be perfect parents. We just have to be good enough grace-based parents. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my mantra that frees me every day. I have to remind myself, you don't have to be a perfect parent. You just have to be a good enough grace-based parent. And, um, that sets me free. Well, I think in those cases where we feel like we're not getting it right, it's actually an opportunity for our kids to learn what it is to extend grace to us. That right. when we are all in the habit, like with your code, when we're all in the habit of seeking forgiveness, that it allows our kids to call us out on our own infractions or right. you know, for us to, to fess up in those times where we're like, right. I shouldn't have raised my voice in that situation. I I did use a sledgehammer here and I, I can see where I hurt your feelings. That was too much. Would you, you know, will you forgive me? And it gives them that experience of, and we often know that when kids are younger, especially like for them to seek forgiveness from each other, it's like, okay. Right. Right. But when a parent is able to get down on their level and really genuinely model what it is to apologize, Mm -hmm. then they are actually in that driver's seat of saying, all right. Now, if I want, if I was, you know, now that I'm giving the forgiveness, how that mm-hmm. feels so that it right. creates this, not only practice for them to learn genuine apology, but also for them to build a closeness with us as mm-hmm. God is filling in those gaps with the grace that's happening between the parent and the child. Yeah. I think so often parents think if they admit that they were wrong, or if they ask for forgiveness, that that somehow diminishes their authority in their kids' eyes. And I can tell you it does exactly the opposite. It it does not diminish your authority in any way. And think about it in your own life. You know, there's, there's a power differential between us and our kids, right? We're older, we're wiser, we might be physically stronger, we're definitely the ones in power. And so when there's a situation in, in your own life where somebody in a position of power and authority made a mistake, recognized it, humbled themselves and came to you, apologized and asked for your forgiveness, does that diminish them in your mind? No, no. I mean, it it, it elevates them, right? Mm-hmm. You just think what, you know, what a great leader, somebody who was willing to admit that they were wrong and ask for true forgiveness. Karis, you have given us so much insight and I just feel like so many awesome things to grab onto in this conversation. Can you think of perhaps maybe one more thing that you think that every single mom should know when it comes to grace? Well, I think the, the, for single moms, especially the single most important thing that they need to know about grace is that Jesus loves you and that you are not shameful, that your situation is not shameful. He is not ashamed of you and he loves you and his grace for you is as deep as it needs to be, right? It goes on and on and on. And um, the most important thing that you can do is is remind yourself of that grace daily. And you'll have to, right? Because yeah, we're so right. fast to forget. We're mm-hmm. so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get stuck in our, in our pride and in our own shame. 
Um, and that shame then bleeds out into everything else. And so I would say the most important, it's not even really a tip because it's so key to healing, is to recognize that God is not ashamed of you, daughter, mm. and that he loves you and that you can move forward in freedom and power um, because of that love and grace. I'm receiving every little bit of that right now. I'm like, I feel like I'm being reminded right this second. Thank you so much, Karis. I wanted to know also if you would, uh, before we go, talk to us a little bit about how we can connect with you and Family Matters and all the things that you all are doing. Well, you can connect with Family Matters at familymatters.net. And you can find us on uh, all the social media platforms. Um, and if you want to connect with me specifically, I'm mostly on Facebook and I am Karis Kimmel Murray author on that's my, uh, my, um, professional Facebook page. You can find me there. Um, if you have questions or comments, or you'd like us to pray for you in some specific way, we love to pray for people. And so every Tuesday we get together, we gather up prayer requests we've received and, and we pray as a staff every Tuesday morning. And so you can email us at family at familymatters.net with, with any of that stuff. And we would love to serve you and we're here for you anytime. So during the episode, you may have heard Karis and I throwing around the names Family Matters and Grace-Based Families. They just had a rebrand within the last couple of months. The ministry did used to be called Family Matters and now is known as Grace-Based Families. But to make that all simple, I'll have the links to all of their resources, their social media, and their website available in the show notes. Even though I served as an educator for grace-based families in the past, I'm right there with you in the trenches with this. And sometimes the graceful answer in the situations we confront is not always the most obvious. So if you're in that spot where you're struggling with this, I just want you to know you are not alone. And with that in mind, I've also launched a private Facebook group called Beloved Collective that you can join today right now on Facebook. And in that private group, we just talk about the things that we're going through. We offer some encouragement to each other and it's just a safe space to ask your questions and go through life with other women. If you look for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, you can join that group by just clicking on the groups tab. Also, if Instagram is more your thing, you can follow us over there at Agape Moms as well. Your comments, your likes, your shares, your podcast reviews, everything that you do to interact with us online not only helps us to know how we're serving you, but also helps other women to connect with our community and see what hope and healing exists for them here. So I just want to thank you so much for that. I hope that this episode just gave you a little bit of a boost. If, if maybe you need to accept God's grace for you and God's love for you, or if maybe you just needed some fresh ideas of how you can love on your kids in that way, I just pray that you were touched in some way today. I just want to thank you so much for joining me. God bless you today, and I look forward to having you with me next time.